Hello, and welcome to the Rocket IT Business Podcast. This is episode number 11, and I'm your host, Matt Hyatt. Today, I'm sitting across from Holly Moore, a longtime friend whose passion for leadership development and business strategy has led her on a 20-plus year journey through both corporate and nonprofit landscapes. From sailing international waters to landing in the executive boardroom of a Fortune 500 company, Holly's management insights have helped organizations expand their brands while increasing revenue growth. And now, with the recent launch of her new business, Holly's Strategies, Holly is looking to share these experiences, equipping like-minded leaders with the tools to grow the influence of their organizations. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Holly to the show. Holly, it's a pleasure to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for so, having me. Absolutely. So to set the stage a little bit, yes. you and I are friends. Uh, we have known each other for, gosh, uh, going on 10, I think 10 years. Yes. Wow. A whole decade. A uh, good long time. We went through a program for leaders in our local community called I Leadership did. Gwinnett and got to know each other there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've stayed in touch. Yes. Yeah? All good. So why don't we start with this? What are you doing right now? What are you doing today? Well, today I am the president of Hollis Strategies, which is a company I founded back in the summer of 2019. Matt, I just felt like I'd had a lot of experience, as you alluded to in the introduction of a corporate career, working in nonprofits, both a very large nonprofit as well as one that was smaller and really going through a decade of growth. Mm. And I felt that this season of my life, I would like to be able to take the lessons that I have learned Mm. and really be able to use them to serve a variety of organizations. And so I am currently in my company working with for-profit companies, a variety of nonprofits, and it really is all about how do you grow? So some are starting small and they're trying to expand. Mm -hmm. Others, maybe they've been at their business for 10 or 20 years, but they're thinking we need to do something different Mm -hmm. for the next season. So I love to help companies grow. And as you and I have talked about so much, it so much depends on how are you developing and equipping the team and are you creating the right atmosphere for people to grow. So really coming along and helping organizations develop strategies around doing that. Awesome. So I got to ask, Hollis Strategy, where did that come from? It's my name. Hollis. So my whole entire life, I've been known as Holly, but my name is actually Hollis. What? And so it was a way. We've known each other 10 years and you never told me your real name. Hi, nice to meet (laughs) you. So it was a way of actually honoring my parents and the name that they gave me. That is awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. All this time I've been calling you about the wrong name. I'm so sorry. Hey, I've been Holly my whole life. So now I just get to use that name. Awesome. So uh, something we talked about recently that I think would be fun to kind of cover today in in our show a little bit is you were talking about uh, as various organizations are trying to grow and adapt, many times there's uh, a tendency to look for a system, for a process, somebody who's walked those shoes before and uh, and maybe take some shortcuts. You know, I've you said you've been in business for 20 plus years. I've been in, in business for 20 plus years. And certainly there's a lot of pathfinding in that. And we all make 
you know, mistakes and we try things that all don't always pan out the way we thought. So if we can find somebody who's done that before, then it would make sense that we would do that, maybe take a shortcut rather than reinventing the wheel. But what I found interesting about what you were saying is many of these systems uh, get down to maybe the mechanics and the nuts and bolts. But what they don't tell you is you introduce people and everything goes crazy, right? And so tell me a little bit about how you plan to work with organizations and how the people part of it really is central to what you're trying to, to do. Well, and I think you do that so well, Matt, Thank you. just with what you've done in 25 years of running Rocket IT. And you and I have talked about this a good bit. And I'm all for learning different systems. I'm, I would say I'm still a student, Matt. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many systems out there for how people develop strategic plans. Mm-hmm. How do they create their goals or their big rocks? And then what are their metrics or their key performance indicators? And they have a strategic plan or an adaptive plan. And, and I'm for all that. We need it. Absolutely. But one of the things that I think is so important, and you and I have really talked about what um, what's the kind of culture and atmosphere that you create in a company where the plan can actually thrive and grow. And I think you have to back up and it starts with what communication patterns exist mm-hmm. and how are those relationships because sometimes, especially if we're kind of hard-charging business people and we want to meet these different goals, then you can almost want to go straight to, are we executing on our strategy? Right. Did we hit our goal? Did we hit our metric for that month? And and I've just found, and some of these lessons I've learned the hard way mm-hmm. through trial and error is, but I've got to back up and say, do we actually communicate well? Does every voice around the table, is it heard? Is it valued? Do I appreciate the different contributions from different team members? When we're making decisions, are the the people in the room that need to be Mm -hmm. in the room? Am I willing to actively seek dissenting voices Mm -hmm. that might challenge me a bit? And so is the communication skills there? And then have you developed strong relationships of trust? And I think when that foundation is laid, then the sky's the limit of what that team can execute. But to go in and think we're going to implement, you know, fill in the blank system, Mm -hmm. I think would be misguided if you haven't addressed the communication, the relationships first. Right. Well, people need to not only feel valued, but they need to feel heard. They need to feel comfortable with uh, expressing their opinions, Mm -hmm. uh, bringing challenge effectively. Uh, is uh, tough for a lot of people, including myself. And so, yeah, those those are important skills, right? I mean, think about it, Matt. Our opinion makes perfect sense to us. Right. Right? My opinion, I I think it makes a lot of sense. My decisions make perfect sense to Mm -hmm. me. My logic makes perfect sense to me. And what I can try to do if I'm not careful is I can try to create an atmosphere where I just have a, p- a lot of people around me that are like me, that mm. think like me. Mm-hmm. But then I, I've really shot myself in the foot. Right. And I've had to learn this the hard way, Matt. I, I tend to be very future-oriented. I want to think about where we're going. And I've got a personality that the word can't is mm-hmm. not in my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But that was is not always helpful. Right. Um, and so you can wear people out mm-hmm. around you. It can become really intense. And so it's 
how do I make sure, am I listening to questions that people have? That have you thought about this? Is the timing right for this? And so just creating that kind of atmosphere where really what we're talking about, Matt, is how do you create an atmosphere where people feel completely safe to mm-hmm. be who they are? We talk, mm-hmm. there's a lot of writing right now in corporate America and in nonprofit as well, talking about psychological safety. Mm-hmm. Have you created an atmosphere that people feel safe to bring their true selves, to speak right. what they what they feel? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that I'm continuing to learn about and wanting to help people put that in place. Yeah, great. Well, something you said reminded me of something that I, I can't remember if I was reading it or heard it on a podcast or something like that a couple of days ago. It was kind of interesting. You were talking about how, hey, things make perfect sense in your head, right? Uh, right? Uh, your ideas are well thought out through your brain, you know, that kind of thing. And what I was reading about was how all of us have our own reality. You know, I grew up in a certain environment right. with a certain kind of uh, parents in a certain neighborhood, a certain kind of school. And with my own God-given brain and thoughts, created a reality that makes perfect sense in my head. Yes. And as much as you and I, for example, have a lot in common, you grew up somewhere else with a different set of parents in a different uh, scenario, a different school, all those things, just different. And so your reality is, in fact, different. Yes. Uh, so our perspectives are different. So if we get in a room together, we might, it's never happened before, but uh, we might disagree about something, right? Absolutely. Uh, and both of us have a perfectly logical uh, right. position in our argument. So navigating that, which becomes exponentially harder when you add more people to the mix, right? Yes. When you'd rather, you know, go from a one-person organization, okay, we all agree. <laughs> right. At, now it's a two-person organization, four-person organization, and so on. It gets, it gets tougher and tougher mm-hmm. for everyone to agree. And I would agree with you also about our tendency, especially when we're trying to grow an organization, is going to be, well, I like me. I like the guy that I see in the mirror, so I'm just going to hire more people like me, and then we'll just roll up our sleeves and... There's no limit to what we can accomplish. Right. But, you know, I'm a flawed person. I don't always have perfect visibility into everything. I don't always uh, make the best decisions. I think you and I have in common a shared uh, interest in the future and uh, and a unique ability to see clearly what might happen 10 years from now. I have a tough time seeing clearly what's going to happen this afternoon or tomorrow in order to get where I want to go. But it's very clear to me where we can go. And so I need people around me that are much more aware of Mm -hmm. all the little things that have to happen between right now and this evening and tomorrow morning and so on in order to get to that place that I've clearly envisioned in my head. So that's just an example of something that I think is so important that for many including me for years, yeah. was just a blind spot. And so you can come yes. in and help navigate that, it sounds like. I do, Matt. And I would say um, a good friend of ours, Steve Cockrum, always says, I can't prevent you from making every mistake, but I can at least tell you all of my mistakes and maybe you can avoid them. <laughs> right. So a lot of this has just been working yeah. for a couple of decades. Right. And so sometimes when I'm working with a client, I can just say, Hey, let me tell you 
when I was at this juncture, I did this and it didn't turn out well, or I didn't get the outcome that I wanted. Here's a lesson that I learned Mm. from that. And so I like to be able to, to be able to share that. Well, one of the cool things about you is you have a pretty uh, varied background. I mean, you've done all kinds of fun stuff over the years. And I'd love to kind of spend some time on that because our, our listeners don't know you yet. Yes. Uh, and so uh, let's, let's kind of walk through it. I always tell people I haven't had a career. I've had a series of careers. <laughs> right. But, you mm-hmm. know, Matt, you and I know I love spending time, especially with younger leaders mm-hmm. yes. and mentoring them. And one thing that I've often shared is sometimes a young person will go to school and they will have a cause that they feel like I'm going to devote my life to this cause. Right or this is this particular field, and I could see myself being in this field and growing and developing, but I'm going to be in this field for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I think. And when we're 18, we always have perfect clarity. You do. <laughs> but what I have found in my own life, though, Matt, and now as I kind of looked back and reflected, I think that I feel almost a calling to fill a certain role. Mm-hmm. And I have been able to do that role in a variety of settings. And so I think it's a good perspective to have on that, especially when people think, well, is there something wrong with me because I did this for three years and I did that for two? Mm -hmm. I would say you want there to be purpose about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're not just bopping around. But having said that, I have been able to fulfill the role that I feel like I'm uniquely qualified to fill, but do it in a variety of settings. And I think that's just as satisfying and just as um, career worthy mm-hmm. than someone that may have had just one long stretch right in a place for two decades so yes so you can when you think about what i've done i've done a variety of things for me there's a common theme in all of them well what i'd be curious about now that you brought up the young folks if you can remember back you know i, I know well, i think back you know when i was a teenager, some of the things I was thinking about and what I thought I might do someday. Mm -hmm. Were you thinking about those things too? I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but when I left to go to college, Matt, I knew I wanted to do something helping people. I just, I wanted to do something that was connected with people, helping people. So when I went out for my freshman year, I was leaning toward potentially doing social work, but through between my freshman and sophomore years, I had a chance to do a job in a hospital and just got exposed to the field of nursing. And so I actually got my bachelor's of science in nursing. Wow. Now, was that an internship program? I was curious. No, I just went to work at a hospital. They had, there was a pharmacy in a hospital and I was the person that would run the the prescriptions up to all the floors in the hospital. And so I just got a great Hmm. perspective of things and, just really thought, I think nursing is what I want to do. And mm. Matt, here's the cool thing is I just believe that no experience we have in life is wasted. Mm. Everything, it's layer upon layer upon layer. And so even now at this stage in my career, there are things that I did in a job in my 20s that is still serving me well. So for example, I'm not doing hands-on clinical nursing anymore, but the nursing process is you do a thorough assessment, you diagnose the problem, you develop an action plan, and you evaluate its effectiveness. And mm. I tell people, I do that every single day. Really? And I think that that taught me how to be a really good problem solver. Mm. And how, so now when I'm working with my clients, it's what's really going on? Right. Can we pinpoint what's the problem that we're trying to solve? 
What could we do that would really address that? And then are we constantly saying, is it working? What modifications do we need to make? And so, again, I just think no experience in life. It has application. (laughs) It does. You know, it's funny. So my wife, Maureen, uh, used to work in the medical field. I think you knew that. She was an ophthalmic tech. And she picked up something working as an ophthalmic tech that we still use at Rocket IT. And that is the process of learning a new skill. Yes. And so maybe this is common in other medical fields. I think it might be, mm-hmm. but it was watch it once, do it once, and then teach someone else. If yes. you do those three things, you probably have got it kind of down pat. Isn't you, that great? Yes. And so I love it. If you can take some of those things that you learned way back when and just carry it forward and it still has application. And you just keep applying it But it's not it always positive, right? So, no. I, you know, there, <laughs> there are, and what I mean by that is we can often build even on negative experiences. We uh, absolutely which, can. Which is great too. And some of it is in the form of, okay, well, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Right. Uh, but then I know I've had some experiences in the past that still kind of guide my decisions today and mm-hmm. then probably make better decisions as a result of that. I think so. I mean, as you go through life, I mean, I look back at, you know, people that I worked with, you know, even 20 years ago that I might say, wow, that was a really challenging, especially in my corporate career, just Mm -hmm. had some challenging situations. But one of the people that I worked with, he had a mantra, Matt, that he would always say, we manage by fact. Mm. And so even though there were things about his leadership style that I personally don't want to emulate, I still think about that statement, manage by fact, all the time. Mm. Because it makes me think, when I'm getting ready to make a decision, have I asked the right questions? Have I sought counsel? Have I really, really done my homework so that I'm not making decisions in a vacuum? Mm. So I think I've wanted to challenge myself and other people. We Again, we can glean and learn something from every single experience. And I think we want to be on the lookout to find what is that nugget mm-hmm. I can take with me instead of kind of feeling jaded and say, well, that wasn't a super positive experience. So I'm just, I'm going to completely put it on the shelf. I would argue, no, there's things that you can carry with you that are going to help. Right. It makes me think a little bit about how we make decisions. One of the things that I have learned about myself is that I tend to be very fact-based. Yes. What I'm very interested in discovering is what is, what is the Truth sounds almost too, uh, I don't know, elevated for the, what I'm trying to get across. But what is what is the fact mm-hmm. or what is the current condition? And there's not a lot of emotion tied to that. It just is. And so let's attack what is. Mm-hmm. And so I'll spend a lot of time trying to dig into what is. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, just earlier today, I met with a uh, prospective vendor that I am acquainted with, but I don't really know. And so our time together was me listening to him talking and trying to determine for myself, okay, what is, what's present right. here. But I think other folks, and my wife, uh, I would include in this uh, club, would be more about seeking uh, almost a, um, I don't want to call it an emotional, maybe it is, it's a connection. She's seeking a connection. What mm-hmm. what do we you know What do I have in common with the person across the desk uh, from me, and where can we uh, find 
common ground, mm-hmm. which is something I'm not as good. I want, I'm looking to break it, right? I'm looking for what are the, cr- the cracks and the flaws, the flies in the ointment, versus I think she is more looking for what are the common uh, veins and the more connections. And it's just a difference. Now, put together, that's a pretty powerful force, right? That works really well. Uh, it can it can sometimes be just a difference of opinion, but together, working in harmony, we're able to make some pretty big decisions together. So, all that to say, I'd love to hear what what do you, how do you think you make decisions? Where 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 does that come from in you? How do you evaluate yeah. things? Well, I love, and I'm going to circle back because I've got a comment about you and Maureen. But I would say. Matt, probably just my um, just my wiring, just kind of who I am. Um, for anybody that's listening, that's a, a fan of Myers Briggs, mm-hmm. I would lean more towards intuition mm-hmm. as opposed to sensing. Sometimes I'm looking and I'm seeing what's the pattern, what's the trend. I will sometimes just think my gut is just telling me this is the right thing, but then also. I do really filter things through people. Mm. And so I am thinking about how is that decision, how's that going to impact people? But I always tell people that that doesn't mean you can't make a hard decision. When I was in my corporate career, we did a lot of merger and acquisition. And a lot of times it was my job to go in and maybe we had acquired a new location and we had to decide, are we going to keep the leadership team or let them all go and bring in our own people? Are we going to just completely close the site? Are we, is the the leadership that's there, will it work? And so, you know, throughout the course of that year, Matt, I mean, it was a lot of um, releasing people into what might be next for them. So I would say I can make a hard decision, but I still would filter that through the people. Mm -hmm. So even that connection that, that Maureen has. So I would circle back to what we were talking about at the beginning about do you have all the voices around the table represented yeah. on your team, in your company? Because I would argue that you and Maureen are such a dynamic duo because you all respect each other, mm-hmm. you value what the other person brings, and you know that if you don't have both perspectives, then you would have incomplete information to make a wise decision. Right. So I would say <laughs> if we're in a company setting, the teams that we're leading – I've got to make sure that there's these different perspectives. There's a proverb that says plans will fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Mm. And I think part of that is we've got to be willing to seek and receive different points of view. So, for example, Matt, if you and I were making a decision, you might be looking a lot at here's these statistics, all right. of that. And I might be going, but my gut is just telling me. I've just got a good feeling about this vendor. We want to respect each other, but to say, but we're going to stay engaged with each other. We're going to keep asking questions. We're going to keep being curious until we can come into alignment. Right. Yeah. And you know what? A a big part of that too is just respecting the contribution that the other person might be making. Exactly. You were talking about uh, relationships. Uh, So Maureen and I, Mm -hmm. if you go back to Myers-Briggs, we are almost polar opposites. Right. We're both we're both introverted. Yes, that means that uh, we both are able to recharge or find rest in being alone in our thoughts or in a quiet place. Mm-hmm. But other than that, every other metric, it, it's opposite. You know, I'm I'm uh, more of the intuitive, and she's more of a sensing type of person. I tend to be uh, 
thinking versus her feeling and on. So it's, so I don't know if it's a real proverb, maybe an ancient Chinese proverb. Maybe you've heard it. Opposites attract. (laughs) (laughs) But you see, you hear that all the time, right? And it's so true. For whatever reason, you see a lot of people tend to gravitate towards their polar opposite in relationships. Then fast forward two years, five years, 10 years, all of a sudden it seems like maybe they're not getting along or they're butting heads and that emphasis is being placed on those differences. When I think really a better way to think about things is, hey, you know what? Maureen is strong in a lot of areas where I'm weak or she has visibility in an area where I'm more blind right? and vice versa. And in that way, we complement one another, absolutely, and we're able to be you know, one plus one equals three. We're able yes. to uh, to get more accomplished, maybe, uh, because of those differences. And I don't think that everyone that comes naturally to us, right? We, mm-hmm. we, I think a lot of people would tend to focus on the differences first. Oh, this can't work, and it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It can be with a coworker, exactly. a business partner, a customer, vendor. You know, it could be a, a number of things, a friend. So. I like what you're saying, and I think that's so important to dig into that. Yeah. Do so, you know what it makes me think of, Matt, before we go, is um, you have heard this. We've talked about this before, even with our friends at, at Giant, that just like Superman, you know, he had unbelievable powers, mm-hmm. except the nemesis was kryptonite. Right. If he got around kryptonite, it just completely crippled him. Mm-hmm. When we have a missing voice, when we fix our teams where we just have like people around us, we're hearing what we want to hear, then we would say when there's a missing voice, it's like kryptonite Mm. to your team. Your team will never be as strong as it could be. It'll never make as good decisions as it Mm -hmm. could. So we have to really intentionally make sure that we're valuing all the voices around the table because if we don't, in the short term, you think you're going to be able to do what you want to do, but in the long run, you've actually weakened yourself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's true. I know. Uh, you know, we we are. I'll use the word proud. I think we are proud of the fact that we have a fairly diverse team. Yes, uh, male and female, different uh, ethnicities, different uh, socioeconomic status, different backgrounds. You know, we grew up in different places, and so Rocket IT has a number of folks. But yes. you also talked about Myers Briggs, and you've mentioned Giant and voices, which we may get into a little bit here. I think there's a great diversity of those voices at the table, too. And you're right. I think that makes us better as long as there's space for everyone to be heard, because that's super easy to fall into a trap of, well, the loudest voices or the strongest personalities are the ones that are going to get heard all the time and acquired voices, which might have some real value to bring to the table might not get heard. And so creating an environment where it's safe for everyone to do that, to your point, is not only valuable, but it is really a requirement uh, for success. Yes. Uh, Wouldn't you agree? I completely agree. Well Well, said. Well, look, I want to make sure that we don't pass over your background because it's really pretty interesting, all the things that you've done. Okay, so where we left off there was you were in college and you got interested in nursing. I did. Uh, Mostly because you were attracted to wearing scrubs and sensible shoes. <laughs> no, you love people, right? Yes. And, and helping folks. So, what happened after that? Yeah. So, so, so I graduated. You actually did yep. Graduated a nurse, right? and became a nurse wow. and did 
um, intensive care unit nursing. I really wow. loved the challenge of that. That's that's a, and that's worked a in the serious thing. Right? Yeah, and worked in the emergency wow. room. And again, Matt, it's so funny. I feel like it helps me be able to go in and kind of triage and diagnose what's going on in, in a company the chaos in the midst when there's chaotic things because I feel like that skill began to get honed right. in a literal sense right. when I worked in the emergency room. I also had the opportunity to be with a couple of organizations to do uh, volunteer medical work uh-huh. in underserved countries. So I was with an amazing organization called Mercy Ships, mm. which runs the largest non-governmental hospital ship in the world. And wow. so I lived on a ship for two years. We would be anchored off different countries in West Africa. And we did specialty surgery and trained um, in-country physicians um, how to do different wow. types of medical now care. What, what, when are we talking about here? I was in my 20s. Wow. It was amazing. Came what, back. What an experience. Oh, it was incredible. And now, I always, had you, did you grow up traveling or is that Not something? at all. Wow. No, I grew up in Gainesville, Georgia, which is about an hour <laughs> north of here. and A huge I'm, bustling metropolis. Uh, <laughs> I love my hometown. It's amazing. But my grandparents had been there. My parents, I grew up there. and and um, But Matt, there was just something inside of me after I went to college. I just... I just wanted to have a wider worldview. Yeah. And I always encourage every young person I get to talk with, if you have the opportunity to travel, it's it'll just change your life. So yeah. broadening. So had that amazing experience, hmm. then came back to Atlanta, got into um, education with using my nursing degree in a hospital here in town, and then parlayed that into working with a corporate pharmacy company where I started out as a nurse educator. And Matt, this is when I intersected with some mentors that ended up giving me some jobs that on paper, it did not look like I was qualified for it, but they felt like they saw something in me. And I found out I had a knack for business and then had a decade long corporate career where I just increasing levels of responsibility. So continuing to use my medical background, but in a corporate environment And then probably about 15 years ago, just really wanted to take that business experience and apply it in a nonprofit setting. I had really um, so appreciated different nonprofit causes, but I felt like sometimes a nonprofit was not, they did not use just best in class business practices, Mm -hmm. processes to really um, exponentially do more. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to take my business background and apply it in a nonprofit setting mm-hmm. and then had the opportunity to do that with some amazing organizations. So I've enjoyed being in both worlds. Yeah. And there's just been a lot of variety, but have learned so much at every season. You know, uh, it's funny you're talking about the so the nonprofits. I was in a, in a meeting not long ago. Yes. And was in uh, in a room full of folks to support a not-for-profit organization. And the distinction was made between nonprofit and not-for-profit. Nonprofit would uh, sort of imply that we're not going to make any money, we're not going to keep any money, versus not-for-profit leaves o- open the door just a little bit to where a profit can be earned. And the truth is, is if you are growing any organization, capital is an absolute requirement. Completely And agree. if you're going to grow, by definition, you have to increase capital. In other words, you have to earn a profit. Exactly. Uh, and that profit, in some cases, might be 
donor contributed potentially, mm-hmm. uh, but there are other ways to uh, mm-hmm. to earn a profit in a not for profit organization. That all that to say that the business skill set that we would use to grow a business is largely the same. There are a lot of the same tools, the same strategies that must be used in a not-for-profit organization or a nonprofit organization, a charity, if the the goal is, hey, we want to extend our reach, reach more people, serve more folks, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's just critical. Completely agree. I think that there is almost a stigma, not only among uh, the general public, but maybe even for the folks that are working inside the not-for-profit organizations where they might feel guilty about growing and building their base of capital and things like that. So how do you work through all that? Have you have you seen that? Am I, am I, I have completely right? seen it. Yeah. And I've kind of just been in this on this mission in my life of saying, you can apply best business practices in a nonprofit setting and yeah. to somehow say, no, our cause is so important, mm-hmm. um, kind of like those rules don't apply. Or if there's almost this um, this mindset of, if I try to apply a business process, am I somehow lessening something about that nonprofit? Right. You know, that, right. um, and I just completely fundamentally disagree with that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say if I'm a nonprofit, that in, in at least some of my support it's coming from a donor, then I would say, then it's such a stewardship issue. I should be wanting, exactly. I should be wanting to work even harder to Mm -hmm. make sure, am I implementing best business practices? Do I have strategic plans? Am I watching and managing money uh, well? And at the end of the day, I always say we shouldn't be ashamed in a nonprofit environment that we're keeping our eye on it to say, did we end up with a profit at the end, because the great thing is, is that profit just gets to turn around and even invest and help more people and grow sure. that organization even more. And so you can have an organization, a nonprofit that can be all about mission, but you've equally got to be about the margin. Right. You got to be thinking mission and margin. Mm-hmm. And it would be incomplete if you had a, a balance more on one side or the other. Right. Well, I'm just imagining if I'm a donor and I want to contribute a thousand dollars or a million dollars, would I rather have that contribution be eroded or grown? Exactly. Yeah, you know, if I can multiply the effect right. or the impact of my contribution, uh, then that's what I want, right? And so exactly. I better hope that the organizations that I choose to support uh, at least have an eye towards basic business principles. Absolutely. One, so one of the things that I love about doing this podcast series, and as I mentioned earlier, we're on episode 11 now, is that, you know, we get the chance to sit down often with friends and uh, mm-hmm. folks that we've known for a long time. But it's also been fun to see how some of these relationships intersect. And so I want to point out a couple of those okay. uh, that I think are kind of fun. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we met through Leadership Gwinnett. Yes. Uh, so we've had Lisa Zakin, who Fantastic. is the uh, uh, executive director of, uh, uh, the, of the Leadership Gwinnett program. I want to make sure I get that right. She's been on our podcast before, and so we've uh, both benefited from uh, spending time with her. Yes. Uh, Nick Messino, CEO of our local Chamber of Commerce, he was actually in our Leadership Gwinnett class was. together. 
Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And, and in our study group. And so in I our would study argue, group. <laughs> best study group ever, yeah, I will say. It does seem that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Leadership Gwinnett was broken into smaller study groups right. where we really got to spend a lot of quality time with a small number of individuals, mm-hmm. I think it was six or eight or so, mm-hmm. over the better part of a year. And uh, kind of roll up our sleeves, work side to side. You know, that's one I learned of the great so much. things about not only programs like Leadership Gwinnett, but also uh, in our chambers of commerce when there are committees or when you're on a board for a nonprofit or even a for-profit organization, when two or more people roll up their sleeves together and work side by side to accomplish something, the relationships that are built out of that tend to be just long-lasting and uh, high quality. Absolutely. That's one thing I really have respected about you, Matt. I mean, you are running a large company. You could let the running. Well, you could let the <laughs> it running. Doesn't seem large. <laughs> no, you could let the running of Rocket IT just completely consume you. But mm-hmm. I have really seen you set the example to say, no, it's important to me to make sure. Am I involved in something like mm-hmm. Leadership Gwinnett? Am I involved in something with the chamber? And I think for all of us as leaders, we have to say. I've got to schedule it. I've got to make it important. Mm-hmm. I've got to choose that I value that. Um, so I know for me, I serve on several nonprofit boards. And listen, we're all busy, and I'm wanting to grow my own company. But again, this theme that you and I are talking about of what are the relationships that we're cultivating in our lives? What are the different voices that we're listening to? Who am I listening to? Who? How can I lend my voice on behalf of someone else? Mm. It just makes life richer and more fulfilling and more purpose. And so I think you do that well, so well. Thank you. Thank you. I, it is something that uh, uh, is interesting to me. You mentioned early, earlier that even as a little girl, yeah. you sort of recognize that uh, helping people was important to you and that whatever you were doing professionally, uh, that you wanted to be geared towards that. I'm not nearly as smart or as advanced as you are, so it took me years to kind of figure that out for myself, but that's that's very much what motivates me and what makes yes. me feel successful is when I feel like I've had an impact on someone else's life, that I've actually helped someone. And so mm-hmm. Rocket IT, is uh, its stated purpose is to help people thrive, and what we mean by that is that we want to alter people's lives in a uh, positive way. Uh, And we want to do that in all of our circles of influence, whether that's with our team members and their families or the people that we serve or our community. Yes. And so once you realize that, you say, okay, well, how can I apply that? And it doesn't take very long to realize, oh, well, I need to be involved in the organizations that are in my community, whether that's the Chamber of Commerce or our leadership program or the nonprofit down the street, those are all places where we can add value and contribute. And yes. so uh, that's, that's important to me. And I certainly think that's part of what I admire about you as Thank you. Admire similarly. Well, I want to mention one other uh, common uh, relationship. So you mentioned Steve Cockrum earlier. Yes. For those that don't know, Steve Cockrum is the co-founder and uh, business partner for Jeremy Kubitschek uh, running Giant, yes. uh, the organization called Giant. We've had Dan Fry, one of the one of the Giant consultants and a common uh, mutual friend uh, mm-hmm. for you and I on the show before. And soon, I think it's episode 12 or 13, 
uh, we'll have Jeremy Kubitschek uh, will be on the show as well. And so let's talk about that just a little bit because that's another shared experience that you and I have. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, we both uh, were friends with uh, Jeremy and Steve when they founded Giant. We were lucky enough to be there and be involved in, in that. Uh, and so we both have an appreciation and an admiration for those guys and what they've done with Giant and the tools that they've uh, developed. Tell me, what are you? Are you uh, are you staying in touch with those guys? What's what? very much so, and love being part of the giant family. So through what I'm doing with Holla Strategies, um, so much of the content that I'm using as I'm serving my client, it's coming straight from Giant. So really? whether it be wow. five voices or just different things that they have for communication, relationships. Mm. It's really all about scalable people development. Mm. And they've recently just been doing so much investment in the giant platform, Mm. which allows there to be ongoing learning. And so it's just an honor to really be collaborating with them. I think one of the reasons why Steve and Jeremy have just had an impact on my life personally, and now that I've enjoyed collaborating with them professionally, is this whole idea, Matt, of how do you become a liberating leader? Mm-hmm. How do you become a leader that actually empowers other people, gives them opportunity, liberates them to feel like they can be their very best mm-hmm. self? And so just all around that idea of being a liberating leader just so resonated with me. And so again, Matt, you know, so many times it's important for us to experience something personally. And because I've been through it personally, hopefully I can lead someone else. And so six years ago, um, Steve Cockrum was actually my coach for a year. (laughs) And it was such a great learning experience for me. And this whole idea of how do I know myself to lead myself? And that's a journey that you and I will continue to be Mm -hmm. on for the rest of our lives. But how do I know myself to lead myself? And how do I continue to grow and develop as a leader that I'm not only liberating myself, but can liberate others around me? And everything that Giant is doing is related around that. And so Mm -hmm. um, I just have so much respect for them. That's really great. So I think a lot of our listeners are probably at least peripherally familiar with what the folks at Giant are doing. Mm -hmm. But to recap a little bit, Giant has put together a number of visual tools uh, and kind of a new vocabulary to help with communications and relationships between people, right? Mm -hmm. And so out of that, and we call a lot of those uh, those, uh, uh, visual tools, we'll just shorten it to just tools, I certainly have some of my favorites. I'm curious. Do you have any favorites out of the Giant Toolkit? I do. It's one that's called the Support Challenge Matrix. Oh, that's my favorite one. So too. if you that think was about eye-opening it, for me. it was for me as well. So if you think about it, some of us are just wired. It's easy for us to support other people, encourage those that we're leading. The, our people, they feel very, very loved, mm-hmm. right? And that's a great thing. Others of us are wired that it's easy for us to bring challenge. Mm. It's easy for us to say, here's the goal. Here's the standard. Are we hitting it? Are we not hitting? Mm. You know, let's push, push, push. Let's take the hill. Well, their definition of a liberating leader is someone that has learned how to calibrate Mm. high support and high challenge for those that they lead. But I think we all have to realize there are certain situations, Matt, that to be on the other side of Holly it felt like a lot of challenge and maybe not as much support. Hmm. So there could be times when 
I was out of balance. Right. And then there can be other situations or people that were around that were all support. But in that particular situation, we find it very hard to confront, mm. very hard to have challenge. I, I've worked with people that have said, Holly, I think I'm a liberator to my team. I think I'm a dominator to my children, and I think I'm an advocator in my marriage, and I'm this in the community. It's almost like we can bounce all around trying to figure out how do we calibrate that high support and high challenge. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I really think about a lot, um, to be able to self-reflect and just say, trying to train myself, Matt, that in every situation, every conversation that I'm going into, to be able to say, what did this, does the person on the other side of me need right now? Mm. Do they need more challenge? Do they need more support? And how do I calibrate for that individual person to try to call them up to their highest and best? That's so that so tool is so helpful. I, I Like I said, that's one of my favorites also. I think what you just touched on was, was pretty eye-opening for me also, realizing that what, one of the big ahas for me when I started learning about that particular tool and this concept of support and challenge, uh, number one, I think maybe it didn't come as a huge surprise to me, but I was telling you earlier, my default might be, you know, I want to I want to figure out where the cracks are, which can come across as challenge. Yeah. Hey, uh, did you think about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about this other thing? You know, and that, you know, if you're popping in with a new idea and I'm trying to poke holes in it, so that I can understand it, that can come across as, well, he doesn't trust me, he doesn't believe me, he doesn't like my idea, you know, those right. things. And so you're right, I have to sort of calibrate that a bit and say, hey, that's a great idea. Yeah. And and maybe provide some support right. uh, before I go into my, you know, uh, analysis of trying yes. to uh, figure things out for, for myself. And like you said, another thing is certainly we do present differently depending on where we are, who we are, our comfort level, and so yes. forth. One of the other things I realized, and, uh, and I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but I realized that at work at that season that I was really providing a lot of support and not as much challenge. And there are reasons for that. You know, I think mm -hmm. we'd had some turnover and there was some maybe mm -hmm. fear of, oh, my goodness, you know, we can't, you know, can't lose anyone, so I better be super nice and super mm -hmm. sweet, which can be a lot of support. But if you're not challenging folks, you're missing yeah. part of the equation. And then I would go home where you know, you've got small kids running around. You're more comfortable to be who you are. And I think I would lean more towards the challenge on that side, yes. which could probably be very difficult, especially for my small kids to understand. And so when I realized that, it changed me. Yeah. You know, it changed me. Uh, so you know, for all those folks at Rocket IT who have, uh, you know, experience challenge from me, you can send a letter to Steve Cockrum <laughs> or Jeremy Kubitschek and thank them for for that. But no, it, seriously. Don't, don't it, you feel like we're so all important. learning, Matt? Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I, and it's, it is, to your point earlier, it's a continuous it's process. Continuous. It's not going to stop. You don't reach the end and say, okay, now I'm, right. now I'm educated. <laughs> no, I think it's, um, in fact, I just had breakfast with someone last week and and just to get in this mode of thinking, and being willing to ask myself a hard question. Okay, what was I thinking? Why did I respond that way? What was the root issue at hand to try mm -hmm. to understand ourselves? Right. Because I know when I am feeling stressed, when I'm feeling tons of pressure, when I'm tired, when I kind of feel like I've been kind of 
bruised on all sides, mm-hmm. then I know that I can default to the challenge, right? Right? Because in my mind, it's I'm going to figure out a way to solve this problem, <laughs> right. and I go there. But it's, we just have to get more and more and more thinking about that self awareness, and we're going to continue to grow and learn. It. But we have to be curious, Matt. I think about this. We need to be curious about other people, and then we need to be curious about ourselves right? to try to help understand ourselves so mm. that we can lead ourselves better. You know, one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, this is a pretty big change for you uh, just starting this business over the past right. year or so and uh, kind of launching that and exploring what it might look like. And I know mm-hmm. you've got a variety of clients. And, boy, I remember those days, you know, a lot, a lot of startup types right. of, of companies in the early days, there's a lot of experimentation, right? Okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to say yes a lot, mm-hmm. uh, even if it maybe isn't exactly precisely the idea that I came up with when I decided to start this company. But I'm going to have to learn how we're going to put food on the table, where I can contribute value, where what I have to contribute is needed. And so we'll say yes to a variety of things. And so it's just a, it's kind of a roller coaster uh, of an experience, can be very, very busy at times. I wonder about uh, something we were talking about before the show started a little bit was the application of another giant tool called the Peace Index. Yes. Does that come into play for you uh, when you're kind of going through this uh, this process of, hey, you know what, uh, I'm in transition in my career and so I have this opportunity on a stage in my life where I could start a business and I would imagine that about the same time you're probably also thinking, really the world is my oyster. I can you know, go back to Mercy Ships or I can stay here or I can go back to Gainesville or you know, there are a lot of different choices that you can make when you're uh, sort of doing a, a, a big step in a different yes. direction. I'm just curious, is Peace Index part of, part of the thought process? I'm so glad you brought that up, Matt. And so again, a giant tool called the Peace Index and it, it's something that we can use. People can use on a regular basis just to kind of see how at peace am I with where I am in my life right now? Right. And am I heading in the right direction? And really the five indicators of peace are the people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, am I, am I doing work with the people that are life-giving yeah. to me? Um, you know, to, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Because no, you're great. We can dig on that, just dig in on that just for a moment. You and I, as a Full-blown adults have heard before this idea of uh, surround yourself with people that are a positive influence, right? Another way of saying that is choose your friends wisely, that kind of thing. And that's what they're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. If you're finding that, I love what you said, are the people around you life-giving? And that could be our friends, it could be our family, it could be the team we're working with uh, at the office, so I love that you mentioned that first because I think that is a critical part of just how any of us are feeling is are our relationships healthy and in check. Absolutely. What are those relationships like and what are the people mm. who, who are around me? The next is just purpose. I think I mentioned at the beginning of this show, I really sat and thought, you know, what do I want the next 10 years of my life to be like? And I felt that my purpose was I wanted to take this experience that I have had and to be able to turn around and invest and steward that mm. and help other organizations. Place. You know, every one of us, we have to decide what's the place that we want mm. to 
what place do we want to serve? For so me at this season, I think it's both. At this season in my life, it was the place I want to serve is starting my own company as opposed to going oh, back inside yeah. an organization. But then there have been other times where mm-hmm. the place question for me has literally been geographically. Right. And years ago, I moved to Texas for two and a half years for a job, oh my which was an incredible experience. But for that season of life, that was the place. Right. For now, for other reasons, um, you know, Atlanta is home. That's mm-hmm. the place mm-hmm. that I want to be. Provision, we always have to look and see, you know, what what's that financial kind of that piece? And, what do I need? Right. You know, and I always counsel people just, you know, you've got to think through what what are those standards that I have? How am I going to be able to meet that? That we're when we're making changes, we're planning for them. And then finally, just looking at our physical health. I mean, Matt, mm-hmm. years and years ago when I was transitioning and out transitioning out of my corporate environment, I had I just was on the road constantly, mm-hmm. was struggling with a little bit of health issues. Mm-hmm. And I just knew at that season, I I need to come off the road for right, a while. Right. That's what I needed for my physical health. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, on a weekly, monthly, annual basis, all of us can say, okay, where am I at peace with where I am in my life right now? Looking at people, purpose, place, provision, physical health, and I can kind of grade myself on those. And it helps me to know what are some changes that I need to make? um, What adjustments do I need to make so that I'm living my life at peace? Mm, I love it. I think we can actually make sure we turn that into something that our folks can use just a little bit. Now, I'm pretty rusty at this stuff, but my recollection is, is that there's a way we can sort of self-assess this. If, If I'm in an uncomfortable place in my life, or I realize I'm feeling a lot of stress, or uh, I'm unhappy for some reason, then I can stop and I can do a quick self-assessment on this, right? You could give it a percentage. I could say, do you know what? As far as the place where I am right now, I think I'm only 30% right. do I think of I'm feeling at peace right. about this. And then someone, you might say, but you know what? My purpose, it's so aligned with my purpose. I feel like I'm um, the tasks that I'm doing are aligned with my strengths, then you might say, well, you know what? I'm at 90% right. on my purpose. Right. So you can actually give yourself a score for mm-hmm. each one of them and then look at that composite score. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it just gives us an idea of where do we need to get some, where do I need to put some focus? Where might I need to make some changes? Mm-hmm. Where do I need to pursue a mentor and get some counsel mm-hmm. in an area mm-hmm. to be proactive to increase that percentage of peace. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I don't know that there's a formal score there in terms of, uh, you know, you need to be at least an 88 in order to uh, pass the test or something like that. But but it, I think it probably is helpful, yeah. uh, especially when you start breaking it down. It's okay, well, you know, I, I did this little self-assessment and I right. uh, feel like, yeah, you've mentioned place as one possibility. This is the area where I need to work uh, a little bit and, and give some attention Right. And then reassess a few months down the road or a mm-hmm. year down the road and see see how it's going. Probably, you know, where you place your attention is probably going to improve, I would, I would guess. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Okay, tell me a little bit about, I want to I hear a little bit more about this team building part of it. Something you said to me the other day, and, and again, understanding for our audience, uh, this is a newer business for you, and so you're sort of finding your way uh, and you're able to add value in a lot of different areas. So it's really about picking and choosing, right? Yeah. It's not, it's almost like 
uh, over time, you've got to probably take some things off the table. Early in any business, we'll probably do a wide variety of things, but over time we say, okay, I want to really focus that attention and energy around these two or three things. But today, I think you told me uh, recently that uh, you're helping somebody with maybe a new book and promoting a business and sort of growing mm-hmm. growing that awareness uh, for a particular brand. I know you're working with some teams and for-profit and non-profit organizations. Mm-hmm. You and I bumped into each other sort of accidentally uh, in Texas uh, a couple of weeks ago at the airport. So I know you're traveling around some. Yes. Where do you feel like uh, you're getting some traction on what's most interesting to you right now? Where do you, where do you think this is going? Well, I have, I really gave myself, and maybe this will help someone else that's maybe in a season that's getting ready to start something. Mm-hmm. Matt, I gave myself permission that for the first 12 to 24 months of my business that I was going to experiment. And, I love it. and here's the thing is, I think sometimes people will experiment, but they don't put any boundaries on that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, five years have gone by <laughs> and they're still all over the place. Right. So I was talking with one of my mentors that said, Holly, why don't you experiment for a period of time, but set a time limit on it? And so right now I'm still, um, I love the variety. Maybe, Matt, it all goes back to the type of nursing that I chose was emergency room Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be able to have a variety. It's important to me. Never know what's coming through the door. So I enjoy uh, on one day helping an author really craft a message of a book the next day being able to really dive deep into some team dynamics and then maybe the next day helping the a CEO or executive director really think through a strategic plan. Mm-hmm. Again, the common theme is what are the action steps that need to take place so that, that this person can maximize their influence Love to it. really be able to influence someone else. And so I, I am doing a variety of different things, but I've set a time limit on that. On yeah, that's that. great. And then it's always great as you go through, you think, I think that I did that well. I, I That felt natural. I felt like mm-hmm. I had some natural intuition there. I, I got a really great result that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then there might be something else that might I might say, you know, I have the skills to do that, but I'm I only want to do that, you know, 10% of my time. So I think when someone, I would um, coach someone that's in my situation, give yourself room to experiment, journal along the way, Mm. ask for feedback from other people, and then just set a time limit on on that process Mm. and then be willing to come back and revisit it. And I think when I've done that, it's allowed me to have a lot of peace that I still have this consistent purpose mm-hmm. of wanting people to really maximize the influence that they have, but it's giving me some freedom to kind of try it. Yeah, try no, things. I love that. I think so many times, especially in startup mode and probably especially with younger folks that are starting their first business uh, or even just a project, it doesn't have to be a business because it's just a project. They don't put some of those boundaries in place. And so you're very smart to uh, to do that, put a timeline on it and give yourself permission to try different things, to experiment, as you put it, and to uh, uh, maybe go down a path that wasn't initially on your mind or just a door opens and let's walk through it and try it out. And try it out. And it's totally okay because you've set a limit to how long you're going to do that. Exactly. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, Holly, this has been a lot of fun. I want to I want to wrap up with this. I'd like to kind of go through and ask some questions that we're. This is a list that we're developing 
that we'll ask every person that comes on the Rocket IT Business Podcast. Love it. Uh, and so uh, it is uh, it is still evolving. And so there are going to be some for our folks that have listened to uh, more than a few episodes. You'll recognize some of the questions here, but we've added a couple of new ones also. So speaking of experimentation, uh, we're going to experiment with you. Uh, tell me about one person uh, in your life that has uh, had a profound impact. Uh, Bob Beatty. He was in the first person in my corporate career that saw me in a position and thought, Holly, I think you have the potential to do more. And he gave me a job that on a resume, I did not naturally Hmm. have the qualifications. And I will always be grateful to him. And I've wanted to turn around and do that for other people as well. That you're willing to give somebody a chance to try something. And so... Um, much of the success that I had in my corporate career is really attributed to his belief in me. Isn't that cool? Now, what do you think? What do you think he saw in you? What do you think it was that made him decide to do that? Because that, you know, I've I've been running an organization for a while, and sometimes, uh, you know, there's just a need. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. there's a there's a hole in my team here, and I need to fill it. And so there's some pressure to kind of figure that out with the resources that you have. We've just got to be imaginative and figure that out. But then there have been other times where you do see something in someone and say, wow, you know what? Got this person in a particular role or working on a particular project, but there's a certain thing about that person that I feel like we can tap for a higher calling somewhere else. And so going and doing that. What do you, what do you think Bob saw in you that uh, made him feel that it was a good decision to say, hey, I want you to try this that, That's a good question. And I think maybe part of it, well, I would attribute the majority of it was he was a phenomenal leader. And Mm. so I give the credit to him. But I think in my part, it was interesting. The corporate headquarters for that company were in Tampa, Florida. Mm. And it just so happened that they were having a leadership meeting in Atlanta at a conference room uh, close to the airport. Mm -hmm. And because I worked locally in Atlanta, they asked me to come and do a presentation. So one thing was I thought, I have this opportunity. And Matt, I prepared, (laughs) I practiced. I mean, I thought I have a moment in time that I have been asked to give this presentation and I am going to seize that moment. So I think the preparation to say, Mm. I'm not going to wing it. I'm going to really be prepared Mm -hmm. to do that. So that was a piece. And then Matt, the second was when it was finishing, Bob and a couple of other executives were running really, really tight on time trying to get back to the airport. I needed to be somewhere else, but I could tell they were stressed. And I said, hey, guys, just jump in the car with me and I will drive you to the airport (laughs) and drop you off right at the door. Mm. And so, number one, it just met a need Mm -hmm. that they had. It also just gave me some time in the car to talk with these three people. But I think that Bob maybe saw someone that was willing to jump in and kind of had a I'll do Mm -hmm. whatever it takes Mm -hmm. kind of an attitude. And so... I think that that helped it um it helped him remember yeah. who I was. So I will just say Matt having that um that attitude throughout a career that no matter what position that you have if you see a need can you serve mm-hmm. someone else? I know it sounds so cliché but when we choose to serve someone else I just think it's a very powerful thing that comes back in return to that. Oh, I think so too. What I love about that story is you did something that on the surface sounds 
simple, but really is incredibly rare. And it was really two things. One is your boss came to you and said, I have this task that I'd like you to do. I want you to do this presentation. And you went a long way to ensure that you did that well. You did that to the very best of your ability. Like you said, you prepared for it, you practiced, right. uh, you went in planning to deliver a fantastic experience for the people in that, in that room, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's something that not everyone does. A lot of people, I would say most people, would wing it. They would just you know, show up and right. kind of muddle their way through it, and that would probably show. But because you prepared, I think that set you apart from the average person that might have come in and done that presentation. And then you did what I like to call a plus one. Uh, as you drove them to the airport. You didn't have to do that. That was not part of the job description. Right. Uh, you detected uh, that they were uh, feeling some stress and you made a small personal sacrifice uh, to get them there. You did a plus one that was above and beyond the call of duty. And that is also very rare. And boy, you put those two things together, I, I think Bob made a great decision. It was an obvious choice for him, right? <laughs> you are so, well, I just I wish more people, I wish I was, I wish I did that more. And I certainly uh, wish that uh, more people in the world kind of approach things that way of, okay, I'm, I've been asked to do something or I have an opportunity to do something. Let's do it really well. Yeah. Because, you know, what grandpa used to say was, uh, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing well. Right? Exactly. So do it well. Uh, and then let's leave them with a plus one. If everybody did that, uh, boy, the world would be a better place. I know, right? I love that saying. Nice. I remember that. So what's the single most important lesson you've learned in your professional career? Jim, Matt, I was thinking about that, and I would say maybe it's a lesson that I continue in wanting to learn myself. And Matt, it is listening. Mm. It is, am I willing to listen? Am I willing to be curious? And Matt, I would say when I have really, really listened to what someone else was trying to say to me, that has always been a good thing. Yeah. And times when maybe I made a decision that looking back, gosh, I would have handled that different or that didn't turn out the way that I did. In many ways, it's it's the listening. And I think there's a distinction, Matt. Listening does not mean agreeing. Right. You can listen, and that does not mean that the person that came in your office and was hoping for a yes, they may still get a no. Right. But, but did I listen? And here's the thing, Matt. I can think that I listened, but if the person on the other side of me doesn't feel like I listened, it doesn't <laughs> matter if I went, I listened to that. I've got to think through, but what am I doing to make sure and ensure that that other person knows I'm listening, I'm curious, I heard you. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I think, Matt, I'm still continuing yeah. to want to grow into. But I, but, um, I think Brene Brown, some of her most recent work that she's done, she really talks about being curious. Mm. And that sometimes the things that, that divide us, if we could approach it with a posture of, talk to me about that. Mm -hmm. um, help me understand your perspective on that. That was an inter just interesting decision that you made. Can you kind of walk me through what were some of the deciding factors that led to that mm -hmm. decision? You seem to feel really strongly about that. Talk to me about where does that, where does that passion come from? Mm. Those kinds of questions. I, I want to become an even better question asker. Well, I'll tell you what, that's great. And I, 
you're right. That's something we can, it's a lifelong thing, right? Well, yeah. we've always approved on that. Kind of brings us back. You were talking about how it's important for the other person to feel heard, not just that I feel like I listened, but the person that I'm listening to feels like yes. they were heard. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about just, to, you know, our experiences create our reality. Right. And if the person on the other side of us is not experiencing the feeling of being right. heard, well, then that's the reality. They're, yeah. They're not going to be heard uh, from their perspective, right? From their perspective. Mm. Yeah. All right. Cool. Tell me about a current book. What are you reading? You're a pretty avid reader. Right? I do. And I read fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. But um, really, this past fall, when I was really getting things going with my company, it's not a new book, but I'm a big fan of John Acuff. And mm. he wrote a book called Start. And really liked it. I would highly recommend it for anyone that's wanting to start something new or they could still be in their same job, but they're maybe wanting to, they've moved into a new position or whatever that might be. And then I'm just on a kind of tactical standpoint, I'm so intrigued by social media and the impact that it has on companies and platform Mm -hmm. and brand building. And so there's a new book that came out just about a month or so ago called Social Media Success for Any Brand. Hmm. And it was written by Claire Ortiz. And it was published um, in conjunction with Story Brand and Donald Miller. And so the way that Claire talks about how to think about social media, um, I just have really found incredibly helpful. Wow. Very cool. We've uh, had Deming Bass on our show before also. And of course, he is uh, currently a consultant for a story brand. And I'm a big fan of Donald Miller's Me work. Me too. So that's a really cool, Me cool too. books too. Love it. Uh, are you... Do you listen to podcasts? I mean, obviously the the Rocket IT podcast, I'm sure, is high (laughs) on your list, but any others? I do. I love, um, well, we just talked about Donald Miller, the Story Brand podcast. I I love, I think you would love it. Hmm. And so it's Donald Miller and his co-host is JJ Peterson, who's on his staff. And so it's a definite go-to. And then just on a personal standpoint, I'm just a big fan of Dave Ramsey's podcast. Oh, yeah. And just really thinking about uh, making wise financial decisions, especially now as an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. That's important. I love it. Okay, tell us a little bit about how can we reach you? How can we uh, find out more about Hollis Strategies? You are so kind to ask. Well, the website, it's easy. It's hollisstrategies.com. Plural. And so Hollis Strategies. And so people can just go to that website. There's a way for them to contact me and... We just love to hear from anybody. It's always an honor to serve anybody that I can. Wonderful. Well, good job, Holly. On that note, I believe it's time to wrap things up. Holly, from myself and our audience, thank you for joining us today. To our listeners, thank you for tuning into the Rocket IT Business Podcast. We hope this episode inspires you to build upon meaningful relationships and team dynamics that are necessary to an organization's success. Should you have any questions on future topics that you'd like to hear more about, email us at podcasts at rocketit.com. Finally, a quick plug for Rocket IT. We work with businesses, nonprofit organizations, and municipalities in the areas of IT support, information security, and strategic planning. To learn more about Rocket IT and its services, simply visit rocketit.com. Thank you.